Auto Line Daily is brought to you by Bridgestone, your journey, our passion. And by Dow Automotive Systems, improving durability and increasing design flexibility with Betamate structural adhesives at DowBetamate.com. Hello and welcome to AutoLine Daily. I'm Peter DiLorenzo, the auto extremist, putting an exclamation point on the week. In the second half of the show, I'll share my thoughts on how Porsche may be losing its way. Then again, maybe not. But now, the news. All-wheel drive systems have their benefits, especially to those that live in winter climates. But they add complexity, weight, and are less efficient than front-wheel drive systems. So, in steps Borg Warner with the new unit that gives you the best of both worlds. It's an electronic limited-slip differential designed for the front transaxle of a front-wheel drive vehicle that anticipates the torque needed for different driving situations. Using the same vehicle sensor inputs as an all-wheel drive system, it can improve acceleration in low traction situations through more effective use of available engine power, shift more power to the outer wheel for better cornering, or shift it to the inner wheel for better stability. Borg Warner's front cross differential technology will make its debut on the 2013 Volkswagen Golf GTI with the performance package. Do you want a faster, more intuitive, and easier to update navigation system because the unit in your car isn't cutting it? Garmin may just have the solution. Called the Gemini, it's an in-dash unit that has advanced 3D graphics, more features, and over-the-air updates. Map drawing, route calculation, and searching are twice as fast with Gemini when compared to Garmin's previous software. The unit also boasts more natural and intuitive guidance, the ability to adapt to driver behavior, and range can be displayed for gas or electric vehicles. We're sure automakers will look into Gemini because it may get customers to use the in-dash unit rather than their smartphone. But is all this technology helping to improve the residual value of cars? In the following clip from AutoLine this week, Larry Dominique, the Executive Vice President of TrueCar, explains which type of new technologies are having the greatest impact on car values. We're seeing actually a big change. Um, five years ago, seven years ago, the used car market adoption of technology was much, much slower. So a good example would be an OEM would put in a $2,000 navigation system, and maybe three years later it's worth $400 in the used car market. But what we're seeing now with the way technology is so rapidly changing is the technology, especially infotainment technologies, things like Bluetooth adoption, um, the Microsoft Sync and other technologies like that, also in the used car markets, they want that very much. The other thing we're seeing is with the rapid increase in fuel economy. Used car market, the, the impact on residuals for fuel economy used to be much less. We're starting to see more volatility with that because the used car market is starting to demand it. Safety technology is still slower to adopt. The, the used car market, because the OEMs are still charging for some of these really cool safety features quite a bit. And we're not seeing that direct translation yet into used cars. But our projection is that the adoption time is going to just keep getting shorter and shorter because the used car market is going to want those cool gadgets, you know, much faster than they used to. Also joining John for that show is Joe White of the Wall Street Journal and Craig Trudell of Bloomberg. And you can watch that entire interview now at Autoline.tv. Speaking of technology, more and more vehicles these days are being powered by something other than gasoline. They are often referred to as AFVs, or alternative fuel vehicles, and include electrics, hybrids, fuel cells, and natural gas. 
But are people in the market for a new vehicle really willing to consider one of these for their next vehicle? According to data from Phoenix Marketing International, about half of all customers are neutral on the subject. But when you look at the extremes, some interesting trends appear. Nearly 36% of luxury SUV and non-luxury car buyers are very likely or extremely likely to purchase an AFV. But on the other end of the spectrum are the truck buyers, with almost 20% saying they are very or extremely unlikely to consider one as their next vehicle. And when you take a step back and look at the industry, this seems to be reflected in where AFVs are being adopted. And now it's time for the results from Monday's survey about the EPA's proposal to cut the number of gallons of renewable fuel that's blended into gasoline. AutoLine asks you if the U.S. should back off the mandate, require cellulosic ethanol instead of corn ethanol, or keep the standard as it is. And of the nearly 400 people that participated, 68% of you said that U.S. should back off the mandate altogether, while 24% wanted to switch over to cellulosic ethanol and only 8% said it should stay the same. Thanks to everyone that participated. Coming up, the new Porsche wants it all. There's so much to love about Bridgestone's Dueler tires. The amazing traction, the quiet, comfortable ride, and they're really tough. It's like loving three tires in one. With the introduction of its new McCann crossover at the Los Angeles Auto Show this week, Porsche could transform itself into either the most desirable limited mass market brand in the world or yet another sad automaker that simply lost its way. But wait a minute, haven't we been down this road before with the introduction of the Cayenne, the large sport utility so far afield from the Porsche sports car mission that it seemed like a rolling misprint? Yes, to a degree that is true. The implications for the McCann are different, however, because this is Porsche veering into a mainstream segment overrun by product entries that typically qualify as suburban workhorses, along with other derogatory monikers such as mommobiles. That Porsche was once exclusively a maker of sports cars that had a narrowly defined appeal with a hardcore group of enthusiast drivers seems like a distantly quaint notion now. This new Porsche couldn't care less about what it used to be. Yes, of course, they're going back to the 24 hours of Le Mans next June to kick everybody's ass, and they believe that by doing so, they will remind the Porsche enthusiast faithful of the authenticity of the Porsche brand promise etched in stone so long ago, so that they will re-up for another couple of decades of unbridled adulation. In other words, Porsche management wants to have its cake and be able to eat it too. They want to see volume and profitability grow exponentially with each new product foray. And yet while doing so, they expect to be able to hold the attention and feverish devotion of its enthusiast faithful at the same time, with no residual damage to its image or credibility. In short, they want it all. But each deep dive into a non-traditional segment that Porsche doesn't belong in erodes the brand. And with each new product offensive into segments that seem questionable, more of the Porsche faithful will simply fade away. And even though it happens in an almost imperceptible fashion, there is no doubt in my mind that if enough Porsches start showing up at soccer games across America on Saturdays, any specialness attached to the brand will eventually fade away too. At some point, however, there will be a cost. And at some point, the new Porsche will end up being 
horror of horrors, just another car company. And that's the high octane truth for this week and also the end of today's show. I'm Peter DiLorenzo, the auto extremist. Thanks for watching and have a great weekend. Wards is the industry leader for news, data, and analysis. That's why companies across the globe subscribe to our premium service, maybe even your own. Log in for subscriber access now. Check your company's intranet for details and rely on wardsauto.com to keep you informed.